Jerry Judy out of Alabama in 20 years of evaluating receivers. He's the best route runner I've ever seen. The team that drafts him somewhere in the top 10 picks is going to get a receiver who's plug and play ready and is going to be the number one receiver and is going to be a star in the league for a long time. In a draft class that's absolutely loaded with talented wide receivers, Jerry Judy might just be the first one off the board. The Alabama Junior's combination of explosiveness and precision route running made him a familiar sight in SEC end zones and endeared him to NFL scouts. But what's less known is Judy's path off the field. From the South Florida streets where he played alongside a young Lamar Jackson to the tragedy that drives him to this day. Today, get to know a quiet superstar who could make serious noise in the NFL. I'm Ina Kimes. It's Tuesday, April 21st. This is ESPN Daily. Hello? Liz, you're a little quiet. Do you think you can get a little bit closer? Yes. How's oh, that? Perfect. Okay, I'm going to hold it. Just I can't, I'm not going to move. I, I get sort of casual and I kind of move around. I'm not going to move at all. So I'm going to stay like this. Liz Merrill is a senior NFL writer for ESPN. Just think, Liz, if you're having this much trouble, how much trouble will GMs have? During the virtual draft. <laughs> you couldn't hear me because my uh, headphones were balled up into a giant disaster. So I have no room to talk. Liz, this year's wide receiver class is absolutely stacked. But on many draft boards, Jerry Judy out of Alabama is projected to be the first receiver taken overall. What makes him stand out in such a crowded class? The thing that Jerry has going for him is he's kind of the complete package. Judy to the left here. Tonga Bailoa over the middle to Judy. There he goes. Jerry Judy hits a home run for an Alabama touchdown. He's not a real big guy, six foot one, 192 pounds, but he checks off a lot of boxes. His route running is elite. His footwork is exceptional. He's very explosive. Tagovailoa going long. Judy's got it. Touchdown. There's the explosive play. The things he can do with his body and the way he can contort himself and quickly slam on the brakes and then accelerate again. And then he's got really good hands, too. To a delivers. Fingertip catch across the middle. Beautifully caught there by Judy. It's another first down. He's been compared to Chad Johnson and also Odell, too. Odell was a guy who did not necessarily completely wow everybody at the Combine, but he had all these skills that you knew were going to make him a generational player. One thing I find so interesting about Jerry Judy is while people know him very well, as a football player, he's been you know, projected as a first round pick for quite some time now. And obviously playing for Alabama, everybody's seen him in big games. I don't think many people know very much about who he is off of the field. In fact, the only time I remember him making news outside of you know his football prowess was at the combine when people noticed he was a uh, he was wearing a star of David necklace around his neck. Oh, so so my last name, Judy. People sometimes call me short for Jew, like one Jew. So I just got a Jewish star 
So, yeah, I'm not Jewish, though. <laughs> yeah, he clarified that. And that was a pretty big deal that day when the receivers talked. But Jerry is not a big talker, which is why you don't see a ton of in-depth stories on him. What he didn't mention to, to the reporters at the Combine was that necklace actually tells a big story about where he comes from and what motivated him to become as great a wide receiver as he is. So in profiling him, you said about trying to learn about his story and his upbringing. What did you find? So Jerry was born in South Florida. His mom, Marie, came to the United States from Haiti when she was 14 years old. She was a central figure in his life. His older siblings called him a mama's boy, and he readily admits to that because they spent so much time together, him and his mom. Now, his mom was also really overprotective. She basically didn't want him going outside to play. So one time, he was, you know, sixth, seventh grade, he decided, the heck with it, I'm going to sneak out when she's at work. And so he was doing that. They played street ball in Coral Springs on like this thin road with, oh, some guy we've heard of, of named Lamar Jackson. Then you also had Calvin Ridley. Jeez. Yeah. So it was <laughs> like, it was like this all-star team, you know, South Florida, yeah. you know, obviously is really big, like a, a receiver hotbed. And so, you know, you've got all these guys and they're older than Jerry, but, you know, he's getting knocked around, but he's also learning things and he's got this great football brain. So his mom finally, you know, figures out that he's going outside and playing and she realized how much he loved football and she's, you know, kind of like, okay, I'm going to let you do your thing. And he took off. Think about that, though, like just as far as like all those sort of mentors he had as a kid. I don't know if they were mentors at the time because they were probably beating him up pretty good. But yeah, that's that was part of being in South Florida. And he benefited greatly just, you know, from being from that area. So it sounds like he was a little bit of a mama's boy. What was his relationship with his siblings like? Jerry has two older siblings, a brother and a sister. And around that time where he was starting to really dip his toes into football, his mom had a baby daughter. Her name was Aaliyah. She did not come home from the hospital right away. She was premature. She was actually in the hospital for months. The diagnosis was a rare genetic disease called trisomy 18. What is trisomy 18? It's a condition that causes severe developmental delays because the person has an extra chromosome 18. Most children who are afflicted with this do not live past the age of one. Marie refused to believe this, though, this prognosis. And she told the doctor, basically, you know, just because you're a doctor, you're not God. And she believed her daughter would live, you know, a long life. And Aaliyah, although she battled a lot of medical challenges, 
she did live past the age of one and two and three, and Jerry became very close to her. She couldn't really talk or eat through the mouth, so she ate through something that got a little tube through her stomach. Uh, when I come up, she already knows me. She just start shaking and, you know, she can't speak. So she starts shaking and smiling. Aaliyah had to have nurses, like a day nurse and a night nurse. But, you know, when a nurse wasn't there, he would often do things, caregiving things for his sister, like even, you know, suctioning the mucus out of her tube. Now think of like a teenager playing football and doing something like that. But, you know, he doted over her and and they called her Lulu. Uh, she was a big part of Jerry's life. So at this time, you know, when Jerry's a teenager and he's helping take care of his young sister, he's also blooming as a football player, right? Yeah, he's getting very good at this point. He has great confidence in himself. He went to an Under Armour showcase his junior year and was just like torching all the DBs there. And his high school coach was like Googling these guys' names, trying to figure out, you know, who Jerry was doing so well against. And he sees that these are all like the best of the best in the country. And, you know, he gets a hold of one of his assistants and he's like, Jerry is for real. Football-wise, things were going very well in his life. Why do you say football-wise? Because they made the, the state semifinals his senior year. The football team, Deerfield Beach did. And he wins this state semifinal game. It's like a historic day for Deerfield Beach. And while this is going on, this is the day after Thanksgiving, the Friday after Thanksgiving, his little sister dies. Jerry's walking off the field after this big win and his brother comes up to him and, and informs him that Aaliyah has died. She was seven years old. How did that affect him? He will say now that it motivated him, but it was a, obviously a, a very somber time in the family. Even though, you know, she obviously did not live the life of most seven-year-olds and was like had limitations she was just a huge part of all their worlds the other thing that was making things even more difficult was that jerry had committed to alabama and he had planned to graduate in december and head out to alabama to get a jump start on things he loses his sister and in a little over a month he's got to be up in college 13 hours away And that brings us back to the necklace that we talked about in the beginning. He leaves for Alabama and with him, he carries a picture of his little sister in the Star of David necklace. That necklace had far more meaning than most people know. He said that he looks at it and he feels really close to her. He sort of chose to use Aaliyah as his inspiration. I wish I could bring it back. Uh, it, it's tough knowing that she's gone and can't bring her back. 
Let's take a break and afterwards talk about what happened once he got to Alabama. So Liz, Jerry goes to Alabama, storied program, and there's a fair amount of competition there. What was it like for him as a freshman? It was hard. He said he wanted to go to Alabama for one big reason. He said he wanted to be a champion. But the other thing he really liked about it was he had all these coaches who were saying, oh, yeah, you're going to start right away, promising him that. And Nick Saban was the only coach who didn't say that. He didn't get to play a lot when he went to Alabama. Jalen throws across the middle. Ridley's got it. Ridley's out racing the defense. Ridley's going to go. Touchdown, Alabama. It was very crowded on the depth chart. Calvin Ridley was there. And he's a superstar. But you've also got this recruiting class that is very talented. And and Jerry's not the only guy there. Rugs down the sideline. Rugs has five catches on the year. They're all touchdowns. So Jerry was going to have to wait. And he didn't want to wait. And it was frustrating. He wasn't really going to get his chance until sophomore year when Ridley declared for the draft. So after Calvin Ridley, who he grew up playing football with, by the way, which is just crazy. After he goes and enters the NFL draft, he's taken in the first round. There's a little bit more room for Jerry to break out. There is. Sophomore year, when Ridley is gone, Jerry takes off. He has a huge game against Ole Miss with 139 yards. Tua throws long, has Judy behind the defense. Jerry's in stride, 15, 10, 5. Thank you very much. Touchdown, 79 yards. He wins the Blitnikoff Award. He leads the SEC in touchdowns. It's a downfield shot. Jerry Judy, the target. He's got it, and the time answered quickly. 62 yards for the Bolitnikoff Award winner. How does his junior year go? You know, his junior year is once again impressive, but he doesn't have the stats he had his sophomore year because once again, the depth chart is pretty loaded. Junior year, uh, they don't make the national championship game. You know, the Citrus Bowl for a team like Alabama isn't as meaningful because they're used to being one of those final four teams playing. But he opted to play, and he had a monster game against Michigan. As Jones throws it deep, and Judy caught it on the run at midfield in the Michigan territory inside the 30. And they finally get him down around the 20-yard line. You know, over 200 yards receiving and, and really sort of capped his career in the best way possible. And then right after that, he declared for the draft. Liz, when Judy declared, I remember he was pretty widely seen as the number one guy. But then, you know, other guys sort of rose on people's boards. CeeDee Lamb, Henry Ruggs, Justin Jefferson, D. Higgins. This class is absolutely stacked. How does it compare with previous wide receiver classes? I think you'd have to say it's unprecedented. And I know we use that word and like hyperbole a lot, but, you know, you could compare sort of the top end talent to 2014 with Odell and Sammy Watkins and 
Mike Evans and those guys, you know, I think there might have been seven who went in the first round that year. But the thing that makes this such an anomaly is just the the sheer volume of talent. Just to give you an idea of how deep this draft is, I mean, there's a decent amount of analysts who are saying that in the first 100 picks that 20 of those guys could be receivers. It's 20% of the draft. So many of these guys are juniors too. So you wonder, it's like, as these guys started to come out, you know, sometimes in classes, you know, you'll see uh, players think, well, I'm not going to come out if there's all these other receivers in the draft. Well, that's going to deter these guys this year. And I think it's because they have a lot of confidence in their abilities. And I was talking to one former GM who said, you know, why not come out? If you stay, you're risking injury for another year. And if you come out now, then you're one year closer to that second contract. But I do think that 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 just the glut of these guys very well might drive down, you know, where these where where some of the top receivers or any of them might get picked, you know, because why pick a guy in the first round if you can, you know, if you can pick a couple in the later rounds? It'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out. So this is obviously an unusual draft insofar as it's not happening at a physical location. There are not pro days and physicals and that sort of thing, which I imagine doesn't hurt a receiver like Jerry Judy as much as others, given how much tape there is out there on him. But he still has to get ready for it, right? I mean, he still has to work out and impress these teams. He does. He was training in Dallas before the combine. And then he went back home to South Florida. And one of the advantages of being from South Florida is that during this pandemic, when almost every state shut down and had stay-at-home orders, Florida's governor didn't issue theirs until April 1st. So Jerry spent you know, much of the month of March working out with various guys. There's a real fraternity among NFL receivers there. And one guy that he worked out with a little too was his old friend, Lamar Jackson. Uh, Lamar was back in town, you know, teams, their OTAs are up in the air with everything going on. And so he was able to catch a few balls from Lamar. And Jerry also worked out with Chad Johnson quite a bit. So you know, the guys from South Florida actually probably got a little more work in than pretty much everyone else. So when the draft finally does come, Liz, how will Jerry Judy be celebrating? Well, they were planning on having a big party to begin with, but obviously the pandemic kind of spoiled that plan. But I don't think that Jerry necessarily is seeing this as such a bad thing. He's going to be able to spend time with the people who mean the most to him. You know, his mom, his siblings, the people who are closest to him. And then something else has happened over the last couple of weeks before the draft. Jerry has a daughter now. She was born on March 27th. He recently posted pictures of her on his Instagram account. She's wearing like this cute little pink hat with a bow and looks very peaceful. And he typed her name on the side of the photo. And her name is Journey Aaliyah Judy. The middle name, obviously, after the sister. 
that he thinks so much about still. Thanks so much, Liz. Thanks, Mina. Stay safe. Coming up, why the NFL's new labor deal is sparking change for players. Here's another story I want you to know. Yesterday was April 20th, also known as 420, which, well, if you don't know why that's significant for a certain segment of the population, look it up. So hilariously, April 20th also used to be the first day every offseason that the NFL opened its drug testing window. I am not making that up. It actually began on 420. But this year, under the new CBA, the NFL is blazing a new trail with drug testing. The updated deal has increased the level of THC that qualifies as a positive test from 35 nanograms to 150. They also reduce penalties for players who test positive, eliminating suspensions. And on top of that, they narrowed the window of testing from four months, which would have begun yesterday, to just two weeks in training camp, significantly limiting the league's ability to weed out offenders. What that means, functionally, is that NFL players can now spend April 20th however they choose. Because now, that choice will not stop them from lighting up scoreboards and giving us highlights come September. I'm Ina Kimes, and this has been ESPN Daily. I'll talk to you tomorrow.